Welcome to the Balls, Buckets, and Bull podcast. I'm your host, Joey Morales. Joining me is the bullshitter of the year, Ryan Lim. How you doing, man? Uh, pretty good. Well, actually, co-bullshitter. I believe you're the other one. That is correct. I was uh, trying to just give you a little bit of bragging rights, but uh, thank you. Yeah. All right, so uh, let's go ahead and get started. So we're going to jump right into NFL. Today we're going to break down the AFC East. And uh, first team we're going to go ahead and talk about is the Patriots. So last year they go, obviously they go 14-2, and two, win the division, win the Super Bowl, and one of the greatest comebacks ever. So they added a couple players this uh, year. They added they add Brandon Cooks, uh, Dwayne Allen. They lose Garrett Blunt. But uh, we're going to start off with Tom Brady. Uh, obviously, you know, great player. Even though he was suspended for four games last year, still threw for 3,500 3, yards. Completed 67.4% of his passes, 28 TDs to two interceptions for a ridiculous 14 ratio. Put up good numbers despite missing four games, and now that he has Brandon Cooks to throw to and potentially a healthy Gronk, he should have another great season. My only issue is that he might have a little bit of a soft schedule, which might uh, make his his, uh, games blowouts and might lead to less volume for his passes, but usually if they're getting up big, it's because he's putting up numbers. So what do you think, Ryan? Yeah, I just really like uh, how the Patriots really changing up this year, going with really quick screen receivers, like just like really o- nothing over the top, um, just really changing the game plan. I really like what Belichick's doing, really, really getting adventurous out there. Absolutely. So one of his favorite targets, Julian Edelman, last year almost 100 receptions, over 1,100 yards, which led the team, three touchdowns. You know, he might have a potential loss of volume now that Cooks is in the mix and Gronk is healthy, um, but, you know, the – he has one of the best bonds with great uh, with Brady, and uh, he really knows how to generate space. And uh, so he should obviously still be a good uh, option in a PPR leagues. And if Gronk, you know, again struggles with injuries, he's going to even get more targets thrown his way. Yeah, I think they're probably going to use Gronk more as an over the top guy and just run like Cooks and then Edelman out of the slot. It's going to be really interesting to see how they distribute the ball for sure. Absolutely. So that's a great segue. So we're going to go talk about Brandon Cooks right now. Last year with the Saints, over 1,100 yards, 78 receptions, 8 TDs. He's the new addition, and he's one of the most popular fantasy players right now in terms of people uh, really thinking he's going to uh, shine. Uh, you know, he put up good n- numbers in the Superdome, but he did produce a lot less yards in games outdoors, 72.2 to 57.8 yards per game. Um you know the Saints yeah, my, literally. My, my big concern about that is like how how is he going to play going from like an indoor dome in like in in uh, New Orleans to all the way up to Gillette? Like it's it's really cold in New England, and yeah, it's a big change. So that's you know the Saints love to throw and usually had shootouts, which really favored uh you know him and the offense. Uh, my main issue, yeah, is if can he play outdoors, and also you know how big of a role can he really carve out himself? You know you have Edelman in there, you have Gronk, you know the running backs are going to get their touches. He, he kind of a sort of a volatile draft pick going, you know, around 12 to 13 uh, wide receiver off the board. So he could, you know, he could really shine, but there's, there's a definitely a little bit of risk there. Yeah. I, I don't know how to do it's It's like too many mouths to feed. It reminds me of like Denver a couple years back whenever they had that awesome receiving core. I mean, they managed to work it out, but they were also airing it out so many times a game. I just don't really see how they're going to be able to distribute the ball in New England. Absolutely. So uh, let's go ahead and talk about the Gronkinator. Obviously, he's the the best tight end when he's healthy, elite tight end option. But you know, there's always going to be a concern with him. You know, he's had a strained hamstring, a punctured lung, a ruptured disc. He had his third back surgery, but he fully participated in OTAs. 
And he's even like body slamming people in WrestleMania. Oh, so yeah, <laughs> that might give you a, that might make you feel a little better when you draft him. But I feel like most people are still only going to think of how hard he's been re- recently. So he might slip a little bit. And uh, he if he falls and he stays healthy throughout the whole season, he could re- win you many weeks. And he has massive upside with Brady. Absolutely. Him. And depending on which league you're in, if you count the pins from WWE, uh, I don't know how many points <laughs> you get. Per, per match, but that, I think that's definitely a factor in there as well. Absolutely. So as far as the running game goes, looks like uh, Mike Gillisley, they, they get him from uh, Buffalo. Looks like he's going to be the starting first down, second down back. Uh, you know, and this offense is going to put a ton of points, and they're also going to be up big in many games. You know, we saw LeGarrette Blunt get so many touches in the back uh, second half of games just because they were up by double-digit points. And if he slips in that same kind of role, he could get a ton of volume. In PPR, there is a little concern because he probably won't be on the field for passing situations. But, you know, to spend a middle-round draft pick, uh, he could really take your team to the playoffs to see if he uh, succeeds in that role. Do they still have, uh, what's his name, James White in the backfield? I was about to talk about him. So he's obviously the favorite uh, for passing downs. And, you know, obviously he showed his talent in the Super Bowl, had three touchdowns over 120 yards. You know, he could offer huge upside as well if Gillisley struggles with the early down work. And uh, obviously in PPR leagues, he should be owned. And the Patriots have shown how much they like running backs who can catch the ball like Deion Lewis. No, absolutely. It's a, it's a, kind of scary to trust the Patriots backfield, though. I mean, it's just like you, you never know who's going to get it. Bill Check may like fire some dude for missing practice one day. I think that <laughs> happened last year, right? So yeah. it just really depends on like who he goes with. Who is he feeling that day? Absolutely. So my prediction for the team, uh, they have one of the softest schedules I think they're going to go, you know, plus the greatest QB of all time, plus the best coach in the league. They're probably going to go about 13-3 again. Another great season for the playoffs. They'll win the division and get a bye, and it won't even be close. But, you know, it is really hard to win Super Bowls back-to-back in this league. And, you know, while it kind of might be a weak crutch to lean on, I you know, it's often proved to be true. So I think they likely make it to the AFC Championship again, but I don't see them winning at all. I don't know. You'd be surprised. I've watched Tom Brady crush my dreams in the past decade. And uh, if I've learned anything about watching the Patriots is they have this insane ability just to just destroy every AFC East fan. Like, <laughs> so. Very true. So let's keep it rolling. We're going to go ahead and talk about the Bills now. Last year they go 7-9, and nine, missed the playoffs. This year they had first-round pick Jadavius White, cornerback out of LSU. They lose like Mike Gillisley. Um, but you know they have uh, they have a lot of promise uh, in uh, their new quarter, their quarterback Tyrod Taylor. So last year he actually surprisingly or unsurprisingly finished ninth in QB scoring with over three thousand yards, completed sixty one point seven percent of his passes, seven TDs, and uh, what really helped was his running attack. He had over he had five hundred eighty yards, six touchdowns. You know he struggles taking bad sacks, but in terms of fantasy, man, he provides great production for his price and his rushing ability gives him a great floor. For his, you know, for for fantasy points on a weekly basis, and if Sammy Watkins can stay healthy, he should have a great down the field receiver to throw to, you know. So if you're an owner looking to take a QB a little later, he's definitely an option you could uh, look at. What do you think, Ryan? Yeah, I don't know. I, I thought like last year the Bills were like on the fence about Tyrod Taylor. They weren't really sure what to do with him, and then they gave him that massive contract. I mean, I guess now they're locked in for the future. But they got Cardell Jones back there. I think he may be able to develop into something, but I, I don't know. I, I I don't. I'm not too confident in Tyrod Taylor being able to keep that job the entire year. Um, we'll see though. 
Yeah, we'll definitely see. It's definitely something to look at. Um, his main, re- you know, his main receiver that he wants to throw to Sammy Watkins. He struggled with injuries. He's had stress fractures in his foot, as well as a slew of injuries. So he, you know, he could put up wide receiver one number numbers some weeks, but with how injury is prone or how pr- prone he is to injury, and an offense that likes to run, the potential for many bad weather games as well. It's hard to, you know, really risk anything more than like a fifth, you know, round gamble on him. If oh, you, yeah, if, and then if, if Sammy goes down, then you're throwing to Rod Streeter and Percy Harvin, who's like three years past his prime. So, like, <laughs> I mean, I don't I don't see a whole lot there if he goes down. All right, so the main main weapon in this offense, LaShawn McCoy, Shady, uh, put up 1,267 yards, uh, four-point yards per carry, 13 touchdowns, finished fourth in running back scoring, and he also provided a good amount of receiving work, uh, 50 receptions, 356 yards, and a touchdown. Obviously, he's an elite talent at the position. He can make tacklers miss with the best of them. And this offense really likes to ball, so we should see a massive amount of volume. And the thing that I was looking at is now that Gillisley is gone, who often used to vulture McCoy at the goal line, he could he should even score even more touchdowns. You know, and he's being drafted as about the fourth running back, but he you know, but with the potential suspension of Zeke Elliott, he could merit a little bit of a pick or two higher. No, I, I totally agree. I mean, who do they have back there now? They have Reggie Bush, who I mean can we even count on Reggie Bush to do anything anymore? And then we have Mike Tolbert, who, I mean, at Carolina, he would vulture touchdowns but all the time. But I don't I don't really see it happening in Buffalo. Totally agree. So, you know, I looked at their schedule. I, You know, they, they have a, a super tough schedule. Obviously, every year they got to play New England twice. Then they got to play at Atlanta, at Kansas City. They got to play Oakland and Denver. So, you know, Tyrod's shown ability to put up numbers, but his his – Decision making and taking sacks really uh, concerns me. So I see this team going about six and ten, not winning a wild card spot. Uh, it's going to be a kind of a tough season for them. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I don't. I mean, it, it's hard to get out of the the basement with uh, us and the Jets, but it's it's not happening this year for sure. All right, so let's keep on going. Uh, next team up, the Dolphins. So last year they go ten and six. They earned the sixth seed for the wild card. This year they had first-round pick Charles Harris, uh, linebacker out of Missouri. So uh, let's go ahead and talk about Ryan Tannehill. So, you know, last year everyone thought that last year was going to be his uh, breakout season. He threw for almost 3,000 yards, completed 67% of his passes, 19 touchdowns. You know, going into, going into last season, people thought he'd have a top-10 season in terms of fantasy, but the, uh, the, you know, the emergence of J.J. really led the Dolphins to just focus on running the ball. And they really made him more to a game manager QB, which is just never good for fantasy. He finished 27th in scoring last year. And while he might have a better fantasy season, I just never will be able to see him putting up consistent numbers that you'd feel comfortable starting him. What Starting him, what do you think? Yeah, no, I, I thought whenever they moved to uh, offensive coordinator Bill Lazor, I mean, his name is Lazor. I thought they were going to air it out a lot more. He came from a system to where they threw it. All the time. They ran like five receiver sets. And honestly, I thought they were going to throw it more. You got Jay Ajahi, who's awesome. He used to run me over in high school. We used to play football against each other. <laughs> That's right. But I like, forgot about that. But, but honestly, I mean, as he's not like a premier talent like running back. I can't believe they weren't throwing it more. But I don't think they trust him to throw more. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, so his main his main uh, receiver Jarvis Landry, uh, almost 100 receptions last year, 1100 yards, four touchdowns. He's amazing talent. He's got great speed and good, uh, you know, evading tackles. He's a great re- slot, slot receiver, and he led the team in uh, receiving yards. And will likely, probably, once again, be Tannehill's favorite target. 
that, you know, this offense wants high efficiency passes, but he really needs a good amount of targets to put up numbers when because he, he works from the slot. In PPR leagues, I think he's a good snag in the middle of the rounds. But, uh, you know, all those all those yards and only four touchdowns is a little concerning. Yeah, and then you got, like, Devontae Parker and Kenny Stills going over the top, and you can never really trust uh, any one of those. Like, I, I've been drafting Devontae Parker in so many leagues last year, and he would just burn me. Yeah, I was just about to talk him, right? So, you know, Stills kind of remains the deep threat when they want to throw deep. But obviously, for fantasy purposes, he can't be trusted on unless like as a full Hail Mary play in deep leagues. You know, Devontae Parker, he's been praised all season by his coaches. They keep saying he has great talent and measurables, and they the coaches keep saying they want his role expanded. So maybe as a potential uh, sleeper, he's like a deep shot in, you know, deep leagues, late late rounds, like you said. But... Like, you know, you're not obviously not going to be able to trust much. So I wouldn't touch him in any PPR league. He may get, like, four receptions max this entire year, like, in a game. So, <laughs> I mean, yeah. Couldn't agree more. So uh, let's go ahead and talk about the running game. So you have uh, Jay Ajayi, uh, just like you were talking about, rushes for uh, 1,272 yards, averages 4.0 yards per carry, eight touchdowns. He was just outside of a top season at 11th. Uh, for his breakout year, you know, and as a result, the offense really began to shift to centralize around him and case will likely stick to the same scheme. And as a result, Ajay should, uh, you know, really seen a ton of volume this year. His only issue should, could be in the passing game where he doesn't really do too, too, too much. But, uh, I really, you know, think he might be drafted as a, you know, running back, you know, seven to nine, somewhere in that range. Yeah, no, I mean, like, honestly, he should have had more yards. He kind of got off to a really slow start. I'm pretty sure in one of the games he only got, like, seven carries, which is just pitiful. Um, honestly, I, I see a lot in that backfield. Their O-line is still holding up all right. I mean, we saw Lamar Miller have a lot of success. They just, like, never ran the ball with him, and I think they're actually committed to Ajahi right now. So I, I think it's going to be pretty good for their run game. Yeah, I couldn't. I, I agree. I mean, so, you know, looking at this is going to be a, another common theme in this uh, this division. It is a tough schedule for them. They got to play New England twice at Kansas City, at Atlanta. They got to play Tennessee, who's now a good team with Mark, Marcus Mariota. They got to play Oakland and Denver. So I don't see this team winning a wild card spot. And, you know, no, knowing pretty much every year the division title is out of out of, you know, out of the cards. I think they're going to miss the playoffs. I think they go about seven and nine. Um, you know, teams who you use like a, a QB um, that is just a game manager, you, they kind of tend to need a much better defense. Uh, and I just don't think the Dolphins have it. So, you know, I don't see, you know, Tannehill being able to take this team to the playoffs. So what do you think, Ryan? Yeah, I, I think I think what you had them at is perfect. Seven and nine is pretty good. Like I said, the AFC East, our schedule this year is just really tough. And I just don't see Ryan Tannehill leading this, this team to anything more than six and ten, seven and nine. Yeah, maybe eight and eight, but they would have to pull something out. All right, Ryan, it's the moment you've waited for. Let's go ahead and talk about those J E T S Jets, Jets, Jets. So last year they went five and eleven. This year they had first round pick Jamal Adams, safety out of LSU. They uh, snagged one of my uh, Cowboys, Morris Claiborne. They did lose. They pretty much cleared out, cleared out a house in the offense. They get get rid of Eric Decker, Brandon Marshall, Fitzpatrick. So, uh, what do, what do you think so far about these uh, transactions? Uh, I, I really don't get it. I mean, if we were trying to clear cap space, then 
why bother? I mean, this this team maybe wins two games. I uh, I actually think the Brooklyn Nets will win a regular season game before the Jets do. And uh, I think our only win that may happen is on October 8th against the Browns. And that's a maybe. After that, I can honestly see this team like losing every single game. Well, yeah, we'll get to that. So quarterback Josh McCown, he's the new QB coming from the Browns. You know, in the five games he played in, he threw for 1,100 yards, completed 54.5% of his passes, six touchdowns to six interceptions. So it's kind of hard to see or to tell how well he'll be able to transition with so many uh, people leaving. You know, if he struggles, he could be pulled away for Christian Hackenberg, and it's uh, kind of an ugly situation for real football and even uglier for fantasy. I think it's a total stay away. Yeah, I, honestly, I don't even know who our main receiver is. Devin Smith was the guy that we drafted two years ago out of Ohio State, and he's been injured for the past two years. I think the next highest up on the on the roster is uh, Kinsey and Ninwa, which, I mean, he would come out of nowhere last year and have some pretty good games. But after that, you have, like, Jalen Marshall, which no one knows of, and, like, Robbie Anderson, who no one knows of. So I'm, I'm concerned. Yeah, I was actually just about to talk to him. So talk about him. So he got 58 receptions, 857 yards, four touchdowns. Led the team in yards, um, even with Marshall uh, and Decker on the team. You know, so Marshall, Brandon Marshall had 128 targets last year, and those have got to go somewhere. So I could see a lot of volume going his way now, and I think Josh McCown might be at least competent enough to get him the ball. Um, I think he might be able to provide wide receiver two or flex production on some weeks but you know you, you don't want to you don't want to spend too too much too high of a draft pick on him yeah i mean this team isn't going to score a lot of points um it, it's we're going to score a lot of like 10 point games 14 point games i think our highest scoring game will probably be around like 20 something so i i wouldn't trust this offense at all maybe matt forte but that's that's about it that's all we got yeah let me write in my next player so 813 yards only 3.7 yards per carry, which was a little concerning, but uh, seven touchdowns and a little, little bit of receiving role in uh, 30, rece- 30 receptions, 263 yards, and a touchdown. You know, he led the team in yards, and he's likely going to stay the early down back for a little bit, um, but his age is a little concerning, and, you know, as long as he stays healthy, he could be a decent flex option, but, you know, every year that gets added to his resume is, is going to be a little concerning when you want to draft him. Yeah, and the Jets love Bilal Powell, too. I mean, he's going to take a lot of the receptions away from Matt Forte. So. Yeah, you, you just keep feeding me. So he Bilal Powell got uh, 722 yards, 5.5 yards per carry, three touchdowns. But uh, like you said, almost 60 receptions, almost 400 yards in the passing game for, and two touchdowns. He's a great option in the passing game. He still produces on the ground. In PPR leagues, I think he's a great pick, and he kind of has some upside if anything happens to Forte's health. And as a result of his age, he could, you know, potentially have a Bilal Powell could have a massive role if anything happens to Forte. Yeah, I, I just don't really see a whole lot from this team, though. I think this is probably the worst team I've ever seen in my life. So. <laughs> yeah, so uh, for my prediction for this team, I just uh, I wrote number one pick incoming. I got them going about two and fourteen. Uh, I I think they I think they can win at Cleveland. And then the other game I think they could pull out is uh, versus Jacksonville, just because of how um, how uh, interception prone uh, Bortles is. So we'll see. It's looking like this team wants to just clear house and rebuild. 
I mean, you got Fitz gone, Marshall gone, Decker gone. It's going to be a rough season, but it looks like they're at least trying to make some change. So we'll see. Yeah, hopefully, here's hoping. Here's hoping. <laughs> All right, that's enough uh, NFL. Let's go ahead and uh, switch to your uh, NBA, your Brooklyn Nets. Um, one of the one of the first uh, big trades of the of the off season. They get D'Angelo Russell and uh, Timothy Mozgov uh, for Brook Lopez. Pretty much just taking Mozgov off the books for them and getting D'Angelo result Russ D'Angelo Russell as a result. You know, I think actually Russell's a pretty good uh off the ball uh shooting guard. More you know, not necessarily an on the ball point guard, but I think he has a lot of talent. He could be a pretty good star for them to at least try to fill some seats as they uh try to rebuild. Yeah, no, I, I actually love the trade. Brook Lopez was on the last year of his deal. There there he wasn't gonna come back to this team. I mean he started with us, but we, we haven't really gone anywhere with that. He was going to go somewhere else anyways. I love Russell, especially if we put him at the two, we throw Jeremy Lin at the point. I mean, I, I like this team where it's coming. Yeah, it's, it's going uh, to be interesting. Uh, there's off, they're also uh, supposedly trying to go after KCP. If they get him, they might put D'Angelo Russell back at the one um, and then maybe have Jeremy Lin coming off the bench and then putting KCP in that shooting guard role. But yeah, this it could be a little interesting, but it's still you know three four year project uh, for the Nets. I, so. I will say with confidence that we are probably going to be the best like twenty eight win team out there. So. <laughs> All right, I like the confidence. So uh, let's talk about the potential mellow trade. So you know, right before we actually started recording, I, I get word that the the Rockets uh, the owner wants to uh, sell the team, which I think is really interesting considering this is like the first you know year in like a a long time that they really, really have a shot to uh, do something. So that's uh, pretty interesting. So, you know, if they do trade for Melo, I think it'll make the Rockets an absolute juggernaut on the offensive side of the ball. You know, D'Antoni is a great offensive mind. I think he'll be able to stagger the minutes for uh, CP3 and Harden so that way they'll each be able to touch the ball a lot and uh, maintain their skills. And I think he'll also be able to integrate them into a quality offense. Uh, However, you know, that is two guys, you know, within Harden and uh, Mello that kind of struggle defensively. So many of their games could be shootouts, but uh, it's definitely really interesting. What do you think? Uh, yeah, I like it. I like it. I mean, it's it's not like the biggest big three I've seen, but I, I could definitely see this team going places. Um, especially with CP3 at the point and Harden. But my only big concern is where, how, how many touches are, is everybody going to get? Like, Melo is a ball hog, and then CP3 and Harden lead the league in, like, minutes. So, like, where where are they going to get these shots? Yeah, I could, I mean, it's pretty much going to have to be a uh, offense that pretty much just runs back-to-back uh, screens. Harden's off the ball, CP3 drives, he, he likes it, he kicks it back to Harden, another, you know, another pick-and-roll just back-to-back pick-and-rolls to get these guys' looks at the ball all the time. In terms of Melo, I think the smarter move, actually, would probably maybe bring him off the bench so that way he wouldn't just, uh, you know, the ball just stick in his hands while Harden and CP3 out on the court. But, uh, yeah, but that's yeah. Melo. I can't really see him just sitting on the bench and being okay with that. I know. that That's – that's yeah, exactly. But he is just going to be – you know, he if, if it does work, he, he's still going to get his money, so – We'll see. Um, you know, I I think that they might be capable of beating the Warriors if D'Antoni can integrate them all effectively. But I still don't. I still think the Warriors are are still a better overall team. They are much better defensively. They they have more chemistry together. So 
I don't see them being quite yet if they even if they do make this trade, but it'll be uh, very entertaining to watch. That's for sure. Yeah, what I'm curious about is like, why is OKC and Houston trying to make all these moves? I think the Warriors are going to win it for the next three years. I would have just sit down right now and waited out until that team implodes. Exactly. So uh, let's go ahead and uh, talk MLB. The Mets, 41 and 48, nine and a half games back of the wild card spot. They're likely missing the playoffs, but uh, Ryan, Tim Tebow, Tebow time, Tebow mania. Go ahead and take hey, it away. Buddy. I'm, I'm loving it. He just hit a walk-off homer like last week. And uh, since we moved him to high A, which if for some of the listeners don't know, is the second lowest level of baseball, he is hitting 327, which isn't bad. Yeah, it's actually pretty surprising how well he's been doing. You know, everyone thought he would ju- it was just pretty much, a, you know, like a, a, a carny act, if anything. But it's, it's pretty impressive. Um, the other guy I wanted to talk about, Aaron Judge from the – the Yankees, you know, the guy is crushing. He wins the home run derby, but you know, there, he was almost about to be cut from the team, and now this guy is just almost one of the got to be an MVP candidate at this point. I, you oh, got yeah. got to you got to at least wonder if he's juicing. Uh, I I think so. I, I'm sure they test him after every single game, after every homer he hits. But I'm with you. I mean, going going into the season, he was not that highly rated of a prospect. Like they have a lot better prospects that were coming up. Like Clint Frazier just got promoted, and he was like the third or fourth best prospect as rated by MLB. Aaron Judge was like in the 80s or 90s. I'm really surprised where all this power was coming from. He didn't really show it in the minors too much. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, let's talk a little bit about this um, Mayweather-McGregor. I don't even know if I want to call it a fight, just more nonsense at this point. Uh, did you get a chance to look at any of those highlights from like the press conferences or yeah, whatever? Yeah, I mean, it's just like, so you know they're going on this like tour, right? It's like a press conference tour. Yeah. And like McGregor comes out, the first one with that suit. Can I Can I say what the suit said? Oh, go for it. Yeah, it said fuck you on it, which is like pretty surprising <laughs> because like can can Mayweather even read that? Like did he even know what was going on? I mean, it's widely believed that this guy is illiterate, so he probably just saw nonsense on this guy's suit. Very good point. I just think it's I mean, I just don't who is watching this that actually believes that, you know, they're they actually mean that. I mean, McGregor's obviously just trying to have this fight so he can get a massive payday. I just don't get. I mean, boxing is just getting ridiculous now. It, it, there's a reason it's kind of struggling. There's a reason that, like, they, you know, they they don't really have any stars. You know, they don't have a commissioner. It's just a, it's just a wild money league. It's it's just ridiculous. Um, yeah. What what I hate about it is because like boxing used to be like this pure like gentleman sport. Now it just reminds me a lot of like WWE. Like yeah. all this like coming out and just yelling at each other. Like I can't tell if I'm watching Raw or like is this the is this coming up to like a pay per view fight? Like what's what's going on here? I totally agree. And the think I would pay a hundred dollars for that. I mean you got to be out of your mind. Like granted, I will definitely mooch off someone who's willing to pay that hundred dollar for the fight, but uh, definitely not me. So. All right, that's enough sports. Let's go ahead and get into some bullshit. So, um, Ryan, why don't you go ahead and give me your cheap bargain beer of the week? Oh, man. Um, one that I found lately. It's called Hams. It's H-A-M-M-S. It's, uh, it's made out of Milwaukee. It's like 4.8%. Uh, kind of smells and tastes like piss, but hey, it is really <laughs> cheap. Four point eight percent. That's a little low for you, typically. I, I I know it is, but we like Blaine and I were at HB the next day, the other day, and uh, we found like a six pack for like 
two to three bucks. So I picked oh, it up, God. and it's it honestly doesn't taste that bad. The can is a super retro looking one, and yeah, that sounds like a Omart kind of deal where they sell you like expired beer for like half the price. Well, that's how that's how you get the malt in it. It's expired, <laughs> so it's like aged. I like it. All right. Um, so our next topic, crazy conspiracy theory that you actually believe. Um, you know, when I was first, uh, when I first thought about this, man, I, the first thing that really came to mind was the flat earth theory that like Kyrie Irving and all these other people keep like, I'm not sure if they're serious about it. I want to believe that they're smarter than that. But, uh, that was like the first thing that came to mind that made me laugh. Um, uh, what about you, Ryan? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I probably for me it would have to be crop circles only because I don't think that these farmers are going out to the middle of their farms and just like mowing down perfect circles. Which how it, how would you even get the riding lawnmower out there to do that? How would it be that perfect? I mean, it just seems like a lot of wasted time. And if you're trying to put a prank on somebody, like come on, there's there's better things to do. You say that, man, but I mean, I've watched videos of them, like this guy will like show it's done and it, yeah, you're right. It literally looks like it takes them 10 hours, but I mean, these guys are from like Russia or like, uh, the middle of Kansas. I mean, maybe they just don't have anything to do over there. <laughs> you see, those are the people that buy that hundred dollar Mayweather fight because they yeah. literally don't have anything else to do. So, you know, I'm not really a conspiracy theory kind of person, so I actually kind of just, like, went online and, like, looked and, like, man, I found all kinds of ridiculous stuff. Everything from Obama can control the weather to <laughs> to lizards are actually running our government and they transform into the people when they need to. Uh, I mean, you name it. Um, but the one, that I, the one that I found that I actually thought was hilarious, and I think... I don't, I'm not saying it's true. I'm just saying it, it, it was the least, it was the most, um, it was the funniest one, I think, for sure. So, this one I saw, it's that Willy Wonka is actually a children's version of Saul. And, you know, when you think about it, it makes a little sense because all the kids, they suffer like gruesome fates. I mean, one gets like stuck, one like blows up when they like and gets super fat. I mean, one gets thrown down like a suit, like a shoot whenever she's like a bad like nut or whatever when the, the, the squirrels yeah. throw away. I mean, and the theory actually goes on to say that uh, Willy Wonka led Charlie to kill himself, knowing that the murders had taken place without him knowing. And that's why they like float away at the end, which is like super depressing. But it was definitely- oh, yeah. I've read some of those. There's like uh, there's one that says like SpongeBob happened because they dropped like a nuclear bomb on Bikini Atoll like oh way back in the '50s, and like all the radiation caused all these like fish and animals just like freak out. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> kind of want to just end the pod right there. Anything else you want to talk about, Ryan? What have you? No, not really, man. All right. Well, that's gonna do it. Um, that was episode two. Ryan Lim, always a good have on for the podcast. Uh, see you later, folks.